0: My son Jimmy suffered the most from this whole experience. He was just old enough to be really traumatized by what he had seen. He would never stay alone in the house after that, even during the day. And he would get jumpy and irritable when he asked about her. Jim and I and our two kids had rented one of the old farmhouses in Pulpus on the north side of the island. Jimmy was nine at the time. He and his sister, Erin, who was six, had adjoining bedrooms upstairs. Jim and I slept on the first floor. Jimmy woke up one night to see a little girl standing in the dark on the side of his bed. He said, half asleep, "'What do you want, Erin?' When she didn't move or answer, it began to dawn on him that something was wrong. He jumped out of the other side of the bed and ran into Erin's room. She was fast asleep.' He woke up his sister, and the two of them came thumping and shrieking downstairs and dove into bed with us. Jimmy was terrified and had trouble sleeping for weeks afterward. In fact, we could never get him and Aaron to sleep upstairs again. We eventually stopped trying and set up a little bedroom for them down near ours. My husband and I thought Jimmy had probably had a bad nightmare... And we didn't pay much attention to his story. I did realize, however, that he was genuinely terrified by the memory of this little child. About a week later, all four of us were jammed into the double bed, Jim and I still hoping the kids would get over this and go back upstairs. It was a sticky, hot August night. All I could hear was the constant piercing whine of mosquitoes. Each time one of us slapped, the others would get bounced, bumped, or woken up. I was in the middle. Finally, I got up and stretched out on the living room couch. I was lying on my back, just drifting off, when I saw a little girl standing in the shadows on the other side of the room. She looked slightly taller than Aaron. As I opened my eyes completely, she began to walk toward me. I remember that she was wearing a dark kerchief tied under her chin. Although I couldn't make out her facial features or the details of her body, I was aware that she was walking slowly, not drifting or floating. She had a long skirt or dress on. My first reaction to her approach was a strange one, and perhaps instinctive... I felt that she had mistaken me for her mother, and that she was coming over to me as if to give me a hug or nestle up to me. I felt a sudden rush of panic as she reached the end of the couch. I leapt up, explaining what in the heck. As soon as I spoke, she vanished. I had never seen an apparition before. I would never have counted myself among the believers of such things. However, this child was real. She was no dream. The sight of her approaching me, her head hidden in that little kerchief, is still as vivid as can be. It still gives me goosebumps. I was objectively curious about this little person, but I was also shaken. The idea that she might have mistaken me for her own mother was pathetic, but more than that, alarming. After all, my family and I had to go on living in the house. I guess I also felt vaguely guilty that I had jumped up from the couch. I had an unpleasant, lingering certainty that she had wanted something from me. I still wonder at odd moments what might have happened if I hadn't moved. I brought the kids things downstairs the next day and we converted a small room off the front hallway into a bedroom for them. I told my husband about having seen... Emily, as we later named her, on the night it happened. I told my kids the next morning and Jimmy was reassured to hear that I had also seen the little girl. I tried to present the experience in a matter-of-fact way... If we had to share the house with a ghost, I thought it would be best that we try to be straightforward about it. I did look into the history of the house. It was built in the first quarter of the 19th century. I talked with some of the older Nantucketers in Pulpys, but they didn't remember hearing of any strange incidents connected with the property. The little girl, of course, could conceivably have died many generations ago. A couple of weeks later, on a stormy, windy night, Emily turned up again. Jim had set the alarm for 3 a.m. in order to go out fishing. Shortly before the alarm went off, we were awakened from a sound sleep by a howling just outside our bedroom window. It really didn't sound like a domestic dog. The tone was closer to that of a coyote. It was probably someone stray caught in the storm, but it sure was a desolate, eerie sound. Neither of us could get back to sleep, and Jim got up to take his shower. He didn't tell me this at the time, not wanting to frighten me. But as soon as he opened our bedroom door, he could feel that there was someone out in the hallway between our room and the bathroom. I did notice that he stood in our open bedroom door for a minute or so before going down the hall. Faced with this sense of an unknown presence standing in front of him in the dark, he actually put his head down, stretched one arm out in front of him, and walked, or rather, dove, down the dark hallway to the bathroom. He switched the light on and looked back to find that the hall was empty. He took his shower and left the house. I was just dozing off again when I felt the bed go down on one side. Apparently, someone had sat down next to me. I was lying on my stomach, my arms tucked under me. I thought at first that it was one of the kids, but... when no one spoke, my heart started beating faster. Before I could lift my head or look around, I felt someone sitting on my upper back, someone about the weight of a young child. I then felt... Oh God, this gives me the creeps. A hand stroking the back of my head. I don't know whether it was five minutes or a few seconds, but it seemed to go on forever. I couldn't move. I don't know if you've ever had dreams where you're being pursued by something and your legs melt beneath you, but it was just that kind of feeling. I didn't seem to have any muscles. Pinned under this unseen weight, I just lay there, feeling the soft, intermittent stroking on the back of my head. Then the adrenaline began to flow, and gathering all my strength, I flung myself out of the bed, half falling on the floor. I remember shrieking, get out of here. Get out of here. Needless to say, I was up the rest of the morning. When Jim got in later in the day, and I told him shakily what had happened, he said, oh yes, she was out in the hallway when I got up. I could have killed him for not telling me before he left the house. There were times when I would walk into my bedroom during the day, and feel that she was sitting in the caned chair in the corner by one of the windows. I couldn't see anything, but I would look over there, and then I would hear a rustle from the chair seat as if someone had just stood up. This would be followed by sequential creaking of the floorboards, as if she were walking around the edge of the room. The creaking always followed the same route moving around by the wall, in front of my dresser, and out the door. It was as if I had disturbed her, and she got up and left the room. The following winter, we went to Florida for a couple of weeks. I packed everything away and closed up the house. When we got home, I opened the front door to find hundreds of dead black flies in the foyer. They were great big horseflies, the kind you don't usually see inside in the winter. They were so thick underfoot that I swept up a big dustpan full of them. What a horrible welcome. Even worse, when I went to put the kids to bed, I turned back their covers and found that both of their beds were filled with the same kind of large dead flies. They were under the covers, as if someone had turned back each bed, thrown the flies in on the bottom sheet, and then made the beds up. Although Jimmy had only seen Emily that one night, he definitely had a harder time dealing with her apparent existence than the rest of us did. As long as we lived in that house, he was afraid of being alone, couldn't sleep, and worried that he would see her again. I must admit that my initial feeling of sympathy for that little girl changed pretty rapidly to one of apprehension. And then, after that experience in the bedroom... Simple horror. The sight of her. The feeling of being pinned on my bed and having someone touching the back of my head. The creaking sounds. The black flies. Living with that unknown child is something I will never forget. A Little Girl by Blue Balliet Read by Marita Morrissey